0: welcome back to middle finger situations this is a a short happy hour edition where we're going to actually close out season two uh and just like everybody else in the world we seem to have taken an unintended hiatus and i don't mean everybody's taken an unintended hiatus but i just mean time has really gotten away from us and so the last the last episode we recorded was in october of 2021 and now here we are at the end of the first quarter of 2022 and a lot has changed but without us sounding like we're tooting our own horn which maybe we are a little when we went back and listened to season two in order to be able to do a wrap-up episode like this we were pleasantly surprised at the at the predictions that we that we put out there and the and the relevant topics and and leaders that we had join us one of the most exciting things that happened for me in between the uh, se- the, the end of season two and this final wrap up is that I got my partner back, Courtney. Uh, welcome back to Medias full time. I couldn't be happier to have you. You you really make me better, which is what you always want in a partner. So thrilled to have you back. I've been here you know, all the way through the hybrid thing, working as a consultant, as an external trusted advisor with my clients. So I've seen it from that perspective. So I'm really interested and excited to hear now your two two hats that you were wearing.
1: Yes, thank you. And I'm really excited to be back and and it, it's going to be back to medias full-time <laughs> with an asterisk <laughs> because, uh, you know, when I, to your point, when you're trying to wrestle with all these things, but you're head of HR full-time in a company, it's hard to not have that head on and just be in other industries and looking across and looking at themes, which you you know had the luxury to do, and, and that's a huge value you add to our business. And I was trying to do a little bit of both, but honestly, it was so crazy wrapping up what was originally going to be two years at one login, and then COVID ended up being three and a half years. And in three and a half years, I'm grateful for And I know we have a lot of listeners from Unlogin, so I'm just going to shout them out because it was a crazy ride if you add COVID and what it was like living in the middle of that. I never thought in my life I'd put on my resume, I'm a contact tracer and damn good at it. Um, So it was quite a journey. But what I did like about it is, Bouncing back and forth let me go between consultants sometimes on the podcast or with you, or, you know, just being a sounding board back into my own world and then carry my own world back out of reality versus what all the consultants are <laughs> do. And so um, I'm thankful to everyone I worked with there. I would not have changed that crazy journey for the world, not only for good friends, but some of the greatest people I ever worked with. And it's exciting to go out and watch them now jump into great jobs and other companies. And some of them you'll be hearing from in season three. So I'm really excited about it. And I'm going to get to do a bit of that as well, um, being an on-demand chief talent officer for the rest of the year for uh, another company as well. So it'll let me keep one foot sort of in and then one foot sort of out. And so I couldn't be happier to be back. And to your point, having to go listen to these, which tortures us sometimes to listen to ourselves, <laughs> but it was really cool to go back and do and and see well, wow, that was relevant. And it's even more relevant now. And uh, and here it is on steroids. So I'll go ahead and kick with one because it really probably stands out to me of all of it. And not one, but I'm gonna go with one word. And it happened to be when we talked to Chris, or as he named himself, hybrid Chris. And no surprise because you and I now spend most of our time somewhere in and around hybrid. And what does it mean? And do I do it? And how do I lead during it? And all that stuff. Is we asked the question in there. started talking about for the first time you always say the 80s but we're not that old it was late 90s when mckinsey talked about the war for talent and we had said yeah i've never really seen talent win we talk about it we it goes up and down with recessions but we really think talent's gonna win this one for the first time and we said at the end i think when we asked chris this um, when it came up was you know what's really standing out to you if someone has to think what's the name of the game and we didn't it didn't wasn't called great resignation back then but we could see it building up was what is it and we all said the word autonomy the talent's going to ask for autonomy and be more dictatorial about oh no 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 this is what it looks like for me and if you're not going to listen to me or give it to me or at least compromise in some way i'm out and what are we watching today you know crazy resignations What would it be for you if you were to pull one thing out?
0: Well, I think um, the, there's a, well, there's, you know, of course there's multiple, but the, the thing that I really still resonates with me is that uh, interview or conversation that we had with Ann Barlow about women in leadership and the, the droves of women that left the workforce and really what that's, you know, how how things change, how things are going to change as a result of that. And I think, of course, we're seeing that um, in the world today, both in companies and just even externally from companies, what does it mean for women? I read an article uh, recently from Harvard Business Review that said Currently, so this article was from March of 2022. Currently, white men occupy 62% of the C suite positions, and the pandemic has widened the global gender gap so much it will take are you ready for this? 135.6 years to close. So what we were talking about with Anne was we were going back to the eighties. We were, we were joking about now shoulder pads are coming back in style. And is that because women need to again, look like men, but the, um, the fact we were talking about it back in the 80s, we weren't talking about going back 135.6 years, which, you know, that's crazy to think about. Now, how do we accelerate that closing of that gender gap? Because we know the businesses just are not going to be as successful when there's not women at the top with the men running, running them. So it was, it was scary to me. That was a scary fact.
1: Yeah. And as long as we're on Ann Barlow, because the other discussion in there, which we all sort of predicted, but she had the 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 you know the numbers in front of us, was that look at it right now, or at least it was probably been more our season one. We talked to her in season two, which was that was the, the pendulum swing of, wait, do we even need offices? This is so amazing. For a minute there, I didn't trust my employees at all. Now I completely trust them and we'll live in our house and work out in our house and shop in our house. And we'll never leave our houses. And it was a huge number that said of executives that said, I can save money on real estate and I can do all this stuff. And she said, we're already watching it start to swing and it's going to be completely opposite to the other side that the majority of leaders, and you just mentioned, what is it, 63% are white males? What was that? Yeah,
0: number? 62%. 62% are white
1: males. That's still majority of the people that are making um, decisions today are going to swing the other way. By the time it's time to come back to the office, like when when COVID tamps down. So we talked about that and we said, why? And I'm summarizing was it's the only way they know how to lead. It's it's power, control, command and control. And it's going to get harder and harder as the years go by with hybrid work and remote work because it is the best. We still think it's the best idea. It's the best way to go, but it requires very good leadership to pull it off. And so when you go in and you're trying to pull it off and you can't lead like you did in in the 80s and 90s and even the 2000s, what are you going to want to do? You're going to go back to what you know, which is command and control. And yeah, I think I'd like you back in. And I think I'd like to tell you how and when and maybe what hours and stuff. And of course, we've been watching that play out. We won't call them out completely, but they've been in headlines. The major banks have been hysterical to be watching, right? All the way from, you know, a fairly famous CEO saying you are going to come back in. And this is how it's going to work. And 50% of the population did not show up for work, which you would have never seen using kind of Wall Street in quotes as a uh, as a thing you did. Is like, yeah, I think I'm just going to ignore that famous CEO and not come in. And then quickly you saw a little bit of a, well, wait, okay, maybe we do need more than 50% of our population to work here right now. So let's be a little more flexible. And then I just heard another crazy story recently, another major bank and this is due to neighbors that live in a city where this major bank is headquartered said, Oh my God, it's hysterical that these leaders think they're going to tell people to come in and what to do. Cause even the ones that, that claim to be nodding and smiling and saying, okay, are having their spouse drive them to work, sit in the car. They run in and lean over the turnstile where I guess the badge switcher is. I mean, the thing where you swipe your badge to say, I'm in, cause it's mandatory and then run back out and get in their car and go home, which I just don't think like the greatest story ever, because people will either quit or are looking for a job or they're going to find a workaround until they get caught. And then they'll probably quit. But I find it funny and sad that these leaders that are struggling to lead in a new way are just, and called it, are going to say it's time to go back to work. And employees are still like they always have working around the system. As in this case, I think they should be. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to side with
0: talent on this one. Yeah, it's. I think it's. It's crazy. The there was a. You know, Brian Moore talked about the importance of deep connection, especially in this time. And we what we know is that it doesn't go away. So the need to come back in the office um, is. There is there's plenty of people that want to come back in for the right reasons. But you know, to have people come back into the office to sit with their headphones on and do a Zoom call from the office instead of from their house, which means that oh, I have to get up and take a shower and put on work clothes and then commute and then go sit on the same exact Zoom call that I could have done from home is a silly. But this, the other silly thing, really silly is the command and control requirement from the big banks or the big like old school sort of companies that are no lie creating reports that are badge related reports, which is why some people are going in and swiping their badge from the inside out because executives, very senior executives, because I know somebody that works there that is, uh, getting these reports that say, help me understand why this person was supposed to be in on Monday, but based on their badge, they weren't in on Monday, they were in on Tuesday instead. And I want to understand the exception. So there's this huge amount of work right now that's being done around exception reporting on the badge swiping reports that not analysts are getting, but C-suite leaders are getting and being held accountable to absolutely mind-boggling. Like, I wish they would just say, oh, we had this big innovation meeting and Mary was supposed to be in on it because it was Monday and we made an agreement in advance that everybody was going to come in for the innovation meeting. Mary wasn't there. We lost out on Mary's brilliance. You know, where was she? I would so much rather understand it from that perspective than Mary was supposed to be in on Monday because that's the rule. And (laughs) go figure out where she was. I mean, it's craziness what's going on with that, too. And mostly because leaders don't know how to lead any other way. Yep. I mean, the 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 not great leaders, the old school sort of leaders of like, I'm in charge and that's why you'll do it. Right. And we're not saying that
1: coming into the offices is important and face to face is important. And we'll talk a lot about that because um, we've already started laying out um, season three. Uh, it's absolutely important, but it absolutely does not mean you'll come into work and it's going to look like this and feel like this all the time, and that it's back to leaders being in charge of how, how, and what employees do. So I think it's going to be pretty fascinating to watch. It's not surprising that software that uh, tracks people, follows them. I even was reading one where it was like somebody's like going to a parking lot and scanning people's license plates, which again, I was like, even if you believe that's a great way to lead, like. Some people walk to work, bike to work, take Ubers. Like, where are they in this mix? Like, your license plate <laughs> wasn't there. Are they now saying you have to actually drive or go buy a car? Because it's the only way I can know you're actually not leaning over the turnstile and running, but your car is still stuck in the parking lot. I still think there'll be a workaround. But um, it those, that software is growing. So there's definitely a set of of leaders that are in the distrustful mode and not to say, and we'll talk about it in episode three, there aren't some people working the system on the other side that aren't really working and aren't showing up and have multiple jobs. But I just don't think it's any different than we've said our whole life. Build a company around the 98% you trust that are good and not about the 2% abusers. And that's when you start having software, you know, tracking you in the parking lot and tracking you in an exception reporting. I just think in this day and age, you're going to you're going to get killed in the end. You're definitely not going to have the first choice of talent. You'll be lucky if you have the third or fifth choice of talent based on the people we've been talking to today. So um, to get out, that, that was an interesting one. And, you know, and back to Brian Moore, you mentioned, I've mentioned Anthem a lot to people because even the ones that are doing it well and starting to open the doors and focus more, I won't even just say on office, but face-to-face offsites. we keep hearing people say, Oh, thank God there was an offsite. I could connect with people. And that kind of stuff. You can't always wait for the offsite or wait to come into the office. Or I've got some clients that live around one office and they'll go in and great, but the majority of their network is in another office in another state. And it doesn't really help them with workflow and their organizational network. It just means they're coming in saying hi, being social, but they're not working any differently because they're not with their other folks. So you can't always wait. And I still credit to Brian, and I hope there's more out there. And if any of the listeners have great best practices, go ahead and, and and write them to Alicia and I or share it with us. But, you know, his tool around music and deeper connections. And, you know, we did name that one team building without eye rolling. I've mentioned to a lot of people, it's not going to be for every leader because a lot of leaders could care less about their people and music or anything. They're just not too human. But for those that do, they're desperately looking for like What's that tool? How does it work? What do I do? Can someone facilitate it? Because they want to connect people and they don't want to say come in every day and they're trying to accelerate when you can't be face to face. What do you do? And Brian's tool is a fabulous one. So we'll just do another shout out there. If you haven't um, looked at, at Brian's tool and Anthem, you really should. And there's been great feedback about that one as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting and important to note about the differences between year one of this pandemic and year three, which we're in now, right? So year one, it was, there was no discussion. It was, oh my God, everyone go home and stay home and we'll figure it out. And what happened at that time was everybody was genuinely human first, they actually really cared about their people. So there was a lot of checking in with people at the on the human level. And also we when we left, we left with our networks intact. We knew the people that worked in our organization, whether that was in our office or in other offices because we had offsites. Um, companies were doing well. Our economy was fine, and we were meeting with each other. We had our, networks that we worked hard to build in in organizations. Onboarding was happening in companies in offices. Year two came and things just got really busy. And we, we started just saying like, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to commute an hour. I have an extra hour in the morning and I don't have to commute an hour home. I have an extra hour. And oh, by the way, I actually don't even need to take a shower. Because So I find more time that way. And of course, then businesses just started being really successful and work started happening and leaders were even saying like, wow, I didn't realize how much more productivity I can get out of my people. And that's when exhaustion just started setting in and recognizing like. Yeah. Well, wait, can I add one more thing though? Yeah. Because
1: you mentioned number one was the year one was the network and those take years and years and years to build per Greg's whole, it's the network, stupid. Years, five, 10, we travel together. We do all kinds of things, get caught in airports together. It's all that stuff. It was still in existence in year two. So, besides the exhaustion and the hours, we were still running off of networks because the great resignations hadn't started yet. They don't really start until later in year two. So, you've got both the running like a thing, and I'm still relying on workflow and network and knowing Alicia. And I know who she is, and she gets this done for me and she gets it done fast. We've been doing it forever. So, it was the two coming together in year two. We're still running
0: off of old networks. So but then what on. happened is people yep. started leaving, right? At the end of year two, people started leaving and new people started getting hired. And yep. now they're getting hired at the end of year two without knowing anybody else. So now networks are scattering even forward and you have new people starting without having an opportunity to come in and meet each other and build that time up front to build the relationship And um, then we move into year three. And so in year three, now the leadership challenge and the complexity of it is sometimes people are coming in, sometimes they aren't. Like you said, flexibility and autonomy is the name of the game for getting the high potential people. And at the same time, you've got to figure out how do we then we don't have the network anymore. The informal networks are dissipated. The formal network is there, whether or not you use a tool like Anthem or spend the time up front meeting your people in the formal network, even to be able to say, oh, you're my direct report. Why don't you come in and let's spend some time together? In some cases, even that's not happening. So networks are dissipating um, rapidly, rapidly. People are leaving. So there's business non-continuity with business. Um, so lots of stuff is now going on. It is becoming more and more and more complex. And so we've got to stop and think about how do we get the best people? How do we onboard them appropriately? How do we build those, those informal networks that used to happen, you know, at the water cooler, the proverbial water cooler? Um which are just really important, or now they happen in the break room or we're on the airplane as you're traveling to a place. Well,
1: and siloing, or it's called the neighboring effect, it's called siloing. Almost every client I talk to today admits it and the research shows it, is they've gone into pretty deep functional silos. That's who we spend most of our day talking to on the phone. If we do get together, it's usually in a silo, even if it's outdoor and safe somewhere to have a beer if we happen to live together. And what you're really watching is the cross-functional network, which is at the center of most companies delivering an ideal customer experience to their customer, is really rapidly deteriorating. And because people are still on back-to-back Zooms, and we've created these horrible habits of not only eight Zooms a day, then people were like, well, that's too long. Let's do half hour. And then they went to 15, 16 Zooms a day. There is still Zoom fatigue. It sucks. And at the end of the day or in between, you don't even have time if you're on a meeting to be like, well, there were five new people in here. I don't even know who they are. Maybe I should say hi. Well, I'm tired at seven o'clock. They're tired. I don't want to get another Zoom. I'm just not going to meet them. And they all admit it. We all admit it. Even the extroverts admit it, which is crazy because you know, the introverts are probably like, great. I don't not don't have to go meet these people because no one's making me and I don't have to go into an office. Um, even the extroverts are like, God, this is like my nature and I'm too tired. I, I don't even know the energy and I don't want to go bug somebody else. So, I mean, year three is just so fascinating. And at first I think it surprised us when people would say, you know, uh, how hard can this be hybrid? We've been doing this for two years. We've mastered uh, software. We've mastered whatever. We just have to add offices in the mix. And for us to have to stop and say, this is completely different than year one and year two. And I think what really surprised people the most and even asked for an explanation is they thought, so one was good, year one was good, right? We were panicked, but we weren't as good as year two. So people tended to think, if two's year two good, three should be even better if we all just do this. And you hit the nail on the head. One was good, but we lost a couple of months of like buying masks. and How do I talk to my customers and what are we doing and all kinds of conversations about things. And so we were a little distracted and still did well. Year two, you hit the nail on the head though. Why was that so good? And why do people think they're going to replicate that in three and four and they're probably wrong? Is because we've mastered our own personal thing of not showering and not working in 12, 14, 15 hours a day and can't tell the difference where work ends and life picks up. And we could still leverage networks. And then all of a sudden, three, boy, do we hear it. And I'm not saying 2022, you might see companies that aren't Still on fire growing, they could be lucky as well and have great product and it's still hugely needed, but we're seeing a lot fall off the wagon, all the way from the ones that busted out for Zoom reasons because everybody needed Zoom and wanted Pelotons and used Instacart and now they're all like, "Uh oh, this isn't going so well, so there's that group. But then there's the group that just thinks the leaders think, "Oh my god, they can just keep working. I know there's a mental health thing, but let's keep them on every half hour Zoom's all day and make them come to the office and make them travel thing." It's just collapsing. And you're seeing it in the fact that every month resignations are going up and not down. So we're not over this yet.
0: And the other um, thing that's the other reason is, I mean, we proved in year 1 that people even people that work at a call center we, we created the technology where they used to have to come in. Now we've proven that they can do it from home. Well, we, blue proved that 25 years ago. Right. But most leaders still didn't buy it or want to believe it. Right. So now, you know, with the great resignation and with um, talent, which we'll talk about, especially in the beginning of season three, we'll talk to some people Um, that had choice. There's so much choice now available for, for people that just to be able to say, um, you know, you can't do it from home. This is a job that requires you to be in the office. Well, we've proven that that's really not true. There's not very many of those jobs that actually are required. So you really need to ask yourself, Hmm, is it really required? Or is it you leader that likes to see my face here to prove to you that I'm doing something? Um, instead of measuring me by outcomes. And, you know, to your point earlier, there's definitely bad, bad apples that are spoiling it for a lot of other people who are trying to get away with something. And that's human nature. And we're going to see that. And that needs to be managed, but you don't punish the many for the mistakes of a few. And it's easier in many times to just make a blanket statement. Everyone's coming back in on Tuesdays and Thursdays because, two people can't be trusted to get their work done and a leader doesn't want to have a tough conversation with them. I mean, you know, again, these are things we've been saying for a really long time and the pandemic did nothing except accelerate all of that stuff and sort of prove out the stuff that Greg Pryor was talking about. And, um, in our it's the network stupid two, two, two season, two episodes. Um, but you know, Greg Pryor didn't start talking about that stuff with some of his colleagues just during the pandemic. That was actually a conversation that had been happening years and years ago. So it everything, just like we said, just got accelerated and really excited to move into season three. Um, Can we wrap up with one thing, though, before we do on that? Because we haven't yeah. talked about Chris
1: Motley yet, and it's certainly a perfect ending for that because, again, spot on on something highly critical. And it was really fun to talk to him. But the two things we highlighted in there was how important mentorship is in general. And, you know, you and I went back and forth. As, eh, there's check the boxy ones and a lot. You no. Know. Mentorships coming up everywhere right now, especially for people in their twenties, earlier career people. Onboarding mentorships making a big comeback again. More like what they want to call the buddy system or whatever, because it's getting really hard to onboard and not meet people and not be face to face and not be at off sites. And we'll be talking to people in episode three about that. But he talks about that, and we can descend on this note. You know, we had a line in there about um, recruiters being very transactional. (laughs) And and we weren't even talking about the topics we're going to talk about in season three when we said that was it was just sort of like it's a process. You may or may not be even passionate when you get on a call to someone you don't spend every day. not What he sees and why he felt he was filling a good void and why people were buying his service was. It just was so routinized and so uh, missing empathy and compassion and things like that, that getting out of bed every day, thinking about how do I get this person to even want to talk to me and then keep talking to me and then come on board um, as really caught up. And we're going to kick off with that in season three. And you're going to hear not out of not from Chris Motley or you and I that sometimes can tend to beat up our own profession. You're going to hear from the people who had choice who talk about where transactional HR or tra- and specifically transactional recruiting because they tend to be the first line of an impression of a company. How critical it absolutely is. So that one was right on the spot as well too. So thank you to everybody who was in season two with us. You gave us some great insight I think we're still we just talked about we're building still building on every single piece and definitely looking forward to um, season 3